What do you know about that, man? <laughs> That was pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I started working that bait and I felt the bite and then I saw my line start running and I set the hook and I was like, I got him, got him. Started screaming and it was like a 14 inch. <laughs> it wasn't the big one. They got my, got my blood flowing though. No doubt. All right, Lee, let's kick it off. Cool. I'm Chase Winnegar, host of the podcast, Lee McClellan, co-host. I hope everyone is doing great. And it's just me and you again today, mm -hmm. Lee, which is perfectly fine because I think that we've been doing... Uh, quite a bit outside. You've actually been out with the show mm -hmm. over the past few weeks. Yes. You, we went twice. One time, I, <laughs> yeah, one time I was going to go film. You know, I don't want to bash the Army Corps. No, no but can't. I mean, and that happens. You know, it happens at Cumberland Tailwater, you know, sometimes those. Well, what happened was we looked at the gauges. We looked at the, the three-day lake forecast, which shows you what the release is going to be below the dam. Mm -hmm. And it said it was going to be 54 cubic feet. Mm -hmm. So we said, all right, let's go. Mm -hmm. And we got down there, and what was it? 2,000. 2,000. <laughs> off, off by just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what's uh, what's 2,000 percent, you know? Uh, yeah. But um, so we got down there, and we saw that, and we said, it's not even safe. We walked down the hill, remember, our hearts sank, because, I mean, yeah. when we went over the bridge uh, there at Greensburg, I could tell it was just ripping. Yeah. Uh, it looked like the Cumberland tailwater with three or four turbines going. I went, yeah. I don't think that's the way it's supposed to be. And then when we got to the put-in, or takeout rather, we yeah. all looked at each other just like, oh no. But we did run into a nice guy down there, mm -hmm. fisherman. You you probably have his name written down. Yeah, I don't Richard Goble. He's a friend of me on Facebook. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, uh, so we sat around and talked to him for about half an hour, mm -hmm. and he had a lot of good info about the spots and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So I'm kind of glad we made that trip just yes. so I could pick his brain about musky fishing, and you got some good info mm -hmm. for, uh, was it what's Russell called? Creek? Russell Creek. Mm -hmm. I almost said Russell Which Ford. is a trib of uh, green that flows from the south into green, yeah. just right around Greensburg. Um, so anyway, that was a bust, but you did go back last week, Jameson mm -hmm. filmed it, mm -hmm. and you guys caught like, what, 50 fish yeah, or something? Yeah, 50, 60, something like yeah, that. Yeah, at some point you just quit. Once, I, once I got to remember getting to 20, and then I kind of quit. Yeah. Counting. Yeah. And I caught several more after that. And that that was Green River Tailwaters mm -hmm. where you were. Yes. And I've been fishing that quite a bit lately myself. I think mm -hmm. I talked about that on the last podcast, mm -hmm. how I'd been down there wade fishing trying to catch a muskie. But I floated it three times since then. And so I basically, each time I floated it, done a different section. And started off up top right there at the tailwater, did the first 14 miles. Next time I went, I started at where I took out at the previous mm -hmm. time, did another seven. And the third time I went, started at the second takeout, put it in there and did another four. So I think I should be right around 25 miles in. Yeah. And honestly, I'm kind of torn between, do I want to keep going down the river? Well, the, the problem once you get past Greensburg is until you get down to Mammoth Cave is just a lack of access. I yeah. Mean, they start to become really, really so, long. So that next section you're talking about, it might be a 102-mile uh, float or something. Yeah, well, you know, I need to, to look, but the next access, and again, this is on an older um, an older map that the Green River Paddle Trail people put out. And, and one thing that, that I've learned through time is accesses, unless they're public land, can kind of come and go. Yeah. So well, it's at the mouth, or it's at the end of uh, Glenview Road, I think. I'm kind of set on that 25 miles that I floated, mm -hmm. just getting to know it better. Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking that's probably the better fishing anyway. Mm -hmm. um, up there, you know, fresher, cooler, mm -hmm. more oxygenated water. I agree. So I'm thinking I'm just going to start hammering that a little bit harder. And I really want to catch a muskie. I'd say when I'm down there, I'm throwing a muskie rod 75% of the time. Unless I, I How many follows have you had? How many have I had? Mm -hmm. why, why do you have to ask that question? I'm just saying, yeah. 
Why are you gonna do that to me? <laughs> None that I know of. Um, but people throwing bass baits have had follow. Yeah, that's we, we spooked one the other day on our float. That's the thing that's frustrating is that I'll go down there and I have a musky rod with, you know, 50 pound braid, 120 pound fluoro leader, big old bait with big strong hooks and something that's capable, you know. And I'll throw my arm off throwing that and I won't get a follow. And um, Kristen had a follow on her first float and on her second float, she actually had a fish on. And uh, I mean, I, I, I think it was a muskie because she was running a swim bait. And I mean, this thing hit it just as hard as could be, doubled a rod over, just took off peeling line for about five seconds and broke off. Hmm. So it wasn't it wasn't a smallmouth, it yeah. wasn't a drum. If it I would bet money it was Mr. Toothy Critter. If it wasn't a muskie, it, it was a, a big flathead. You mm -hmm. know, that's the only other thing I can think of that would hit a bait like that and just take it on a rip. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think she probably had one on and then a guy named Andrew who floated it with us, um, he had a follow on a jerk bait, but I haven't had a follow. And I'm trying to think, why is that? I don't know. I think they it, want to downsize. Well, Maybe that's what, it's the bait that they hit in that particular. I'm, well, yeah, and I did, stretch. I did throw a uh, swim bait on a musky rod for a while. A, a big swim, I mean, a big swim bait being five inches. Um, you know, big strong hooks and everything on it. And I didn't get anything on that either. So I'm, I'm thinking to myself, is it my presentation? Is it this floral leader? Is it the big braided lime? I mean, the water's really clear, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I'm catching smallmouth on my musky rod. Yeah. So I don't think it's that. Yeah. I kind of think it's just the flip of the coin and the bad luck. Mm -hmm. And honestly, a lot of times uh, when I'm floating with other people, I'm in a big boat and I'm standing up fishing. I'm not really touching the paddle. So typically I'm in the back. Mm -hmm. So I'm also thinking that these people might just be getting the first shot at the fish. Yeah, it could be. You know, they're they're, they're putting the bait in front of them before I am, and um, I don't know. I'm going to keep trying. Eventually, it'll it'll happen. And when it does happen, when it does bite that rod, I got a feeling the muskie's in trouble because I'm ready for it. No doubt. Yeah, and I will. You know, I explained the setup a second ago. The 50 pound braid and all that snags are a big issue because mm -hmm. I mean you're not. Well, first of all, it's a thirty dollar bait and leader, mm -hmm. so you don't want to break it off. Your best bet's to break the snag itself, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But the last time I went, I got snagged on the bottom in a deep hole, like uh, probably eight feet down or something like that. And uh, it just was not coming loose for anything. I tried doing a 360 around it and pulling it from every direction. I ended up just jumping in the water and following the braid down to it and trying to, I unhooked it with my hands and got it out. But it was, I'm not losing a $30 bait if there's any, any, no doubt. any way not to. Well, that's one of the things about the Green River tailwater. There is a plethora of wood cover in there. Oh, a ton. <clears throat> and it looks so good. That's the thing. When you're floating through, that's why I throw the muskie rod 75% mm -hmm. of the time. Well, I mean, that's muskie habitat. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Every time I'm I'm there, I'm looking. I'm like, well, that looks like it could hold a muskie. That looks like it could hold a muskie. Mm -hmm. So I'm throwing at this. I'm throwing at wood cover. I'm throwing in deep channels. I'm, I'm trying to cover everything. And... Um, I will say I've gotten pretty good at casting that thing. I mean, I can I can throw that thing right up in the trees and avoid the branches. That's a good thing about it. I, I don't throw a bait caster a whole lot, mm -hmm. especially out of the kayak, but the bait caster just gives you more control. It does. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. And, uh, you know, I love the spinning rod, and I love the feel of the spinning rod, but the bait caster, I can, I can thumb the spool and really control where my bait lands yeah, just perfect. Exactly. And I cast sidearm. Mm -hmm. When you cast sidearm, if you're thumbing it mid mid cast mm -hmm. i mean you can even control the left or right mm -hmm. on it a little bit based on you know because the bait's actually moving horizontally. people don't realize you need to thumb it a little bit when it's going fast even if you have all 
magnetic brake and all that, just just a little bit. Because once that spool gets faster, yep. going faster, then you know, well, then that's when the trouble starts. Throwing a real heavy bait helps a lot too. Yeah, like those musky baits I'm throwing got away six ounces or so, and I the tension on the not the drag, the brake on the spool mm -hmm. is actually up high enough that the spool really doesn't. I can I can open open cast it, open spool cast it without getting backlash. But if I do get a backlash, that's a really bad deal. Yeah. But the heavier baits are easier. If you're if somebody's quarter ounce bait on a bait caster, that's when you can get into trouble. Yeah. If, if somebody's wanting to start off learning how to throw a bait caster, I would suggest going heavy. Yeah. And adjusting your brake. I learned throwing a Carolina rig. Yeah. And that taught me a lot. And basically, you know, I was with one of my buddies not long ago. We're talking about a 28-year-old guy who's been fishing a lot, right? And he was saying, I don't like a baitcaster. I just don't like the backlashes. So I showed him how to set it, hmm. you know, where you hold your rod tip kind of up at a 45 and you press a button and let the let the bait drop and you want when the bait hits the ground for the spool to stop on its own. Mm -hmm. I showed him how to adjust the brake and he took off, started casting it, and now he loves that thing. Yeah. So just setting your baitcaster right. I did a piece last summer with Chad on yeah, I remember bait that. casting basics. Yeah, and, that's uh, on we did we got it on YouTube and you probably yeah. have it on the website too, right? Yes, we do. Yeah, so you can just Google that or look it up on YouTube. But then Chad's the best I've seen with a baitcaster. Well, he's extremely good. Yeah. That's why he takes one of those to the creek with him instead mm -hmm. of a spinning rod because yeah. he can sling those things. Oh, but, but he um, caught most of his fish on the float the other day on his spinning rod. Let's see. So we've been both hitting. We both hit green. I've been hitting green a lot. You also hit Elkhorn. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about making a trip to Elkhorn tomorrow after work. Uh, Jeff Roberts went yesterday and did yeah. pretty good. Well, Kevin, uh, Kevin, our coworker, ran into Jeff. Yeah, and yeah. they they went divergent. He said he caught a nice one and but yeah. what an area is on his bass corner. So I want on, to on the Ned rig. <laughs> yeah, there's just something about wade fishing a creek like Elkhorn, or I mean, there's creeks everywhere. Mm -hmm. I'm just you know something about being out there and just catching smallmouth is is pretty fun. Oh, oh, we've talked before about how good rock bass are supposed to be to eat, mm -hmm. and I always say I'll, someday I want to go catch rock bass and keep them and try them. My problem is I never actually go specifically target them. Yeah, but I might catch a ton of them without targeting. Yeah, you know? no doubt. And every time I like, caught a nice one on the green the other day. Yeah, I, that's what I was getting at. So I'll catch a rock bass and I'll say, well, you know, I, I want to keep these and eat them sometime, but you know, today I'm looking for smallmouth and I'll put it back. And then eight or nine or 10 rock bass later, I'm like, man, I wish I would have kept all yeah. those. And that's how it usually goes. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was floating the green last time, there was a big stump out there in the middle, actually in pretty deep water. And I went out there and I wasn't even casting the bait. I was just dropping a Ned rig down into the stump and then just pulling them out almost like a cane pole mm -hmm. and i caught seven on back to back to back to back to back however many cast and i, I think i could have sat there all day and caught 25. you know all rock bass all rock bass i mean kristen was with me she started naming them mm -hmm. oh there's randy there's dave <laughs> i started naming all the rock bass <laughs> yeah so that's well, uh, something to do sometimes. One of the things that people, if you want to go float the green, is, you know, we, we consulted it, but you go to the Louisville District of the Army Corps of Engineers yeah. and click on, or you can, I can just type in Daily Lake Report in Google and it brings yeah. it up almost every time. I type in Louisville Lake Info yeah. and, and it brings it up. There's a three-day forecast and there's the Daily Lake Daily, Report. And that, that shows, and that's the, the only time, that's the only time that's never been what it said it was going to be. Is yeah. when we, we I was going to say, every time I've been down there, which is probably six or seven times now, it's been spot on, mm -hmm. um, except for the one. Yeah. So. I, mean, I, I got up at quarter till 2.45 in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's an early day. It's when you're investing. <laughs> and then it was blown out. Yeah. 
But anyway, that's what I kind of want to hit on as far but as fifty-four know. to you would say three forty or the prime above three forty for fishing. I think you know for paddling it'd probably be fine, but yeah. for fishing it gets a little blown out. I mean that Green River area, the tailwaters. I mean, it's about like Elkhorn mm-hmm. size-wise. Yeah. So I mean, I I compare it to the flow on Elkhorn that I'd want. Mm-hmm. I think floating it at three fifty is just fine. Yeah. Even fishing, but um, once it gets you know up above five hundred or so, I would avoid it. Yeah. That's the way I am on Elkhorn. Uh, three fifty is about my f- top end. I floated at four hundred. Yeah. You know, it's okay, but it's not as good. Yeah, people just need to check those levels. I feel like we say that every time. But it's the fifty four CFS right now. It's base level. But so, after this hurricane comes in, it may be blown out for a while. Yeah, that's supposed to hit us on Friday, I think. Mm-hmm. Friday night. It's supposed to make landfall tonight in Texas and Louisiana, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then I was looking at its projected path, and it shows it curving up and hitting us. Um, you know, it dissipates a lot before it gets here, but I guess it's supposed to pack quite a bit of rain. I need to probably look at the weather for the next few days. Today, it's supposed to be 94 and sunny. I think tomorrow's a little bit cooler. So that might be the front end of it kind of starting to creep in. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go for the show, um, not hang deer stands, but replace a couple cables on deer stands that we uh, left out there. So last year, we hung our deer stands on this one property, and we never went and got them, which is a mistake. Mm-hmm. But we got some uh, replacement <clears throat> cables from Summit, so we're just going to play it safe. And you know, deer season's right around the corner. A lot of people are probably doing the same thing we did. You know, it's not suggested you shouldn't do it, but hey, sometimes you know things happen, and mm-hmm. you're not able to get back out there and, and get them down. I would double check those deer stands that have been out there, yes. unless you hung it this year, like within the past few weeks, or you're taking it in and hanging it on your first hunt. I would double check those deer stands i don't care if it's a lock-on or a climber or an old wooden stand or something like that i would be safe getting in there the first time yes speaking of that deer seasons what how many days away is deer season lee like less than it's a a week from this saturday so we're took, looking at like nine days away or something mm-hmm. like that and you want to know how much prep work i've done so far uh zero. Zero. <laughs> same same number of follows i've had for muskie <laughs> Is how, how much prep work I've done. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've been shooting my bow and stuff, but I did not run a trail camera this year, which is the first when time. When is Labor Day? Um, not, it's not this coming weekend, is it? Yeah, it's it's going to be the uh, the 8th, or no, the 7th. It's, uh, u- it's usually the Monday. Yeah, it's the 7th. Yeah, it's not the 31st of August, yeah. correct. Yeah, because I was talking to uh, Major Carrier earlier, and um, our fall hunting call-in show is on Tuesday the 8th. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to get a CO lined up to come answer law enforcement questions. Mm-hmm. And he said that's a, a pretty difficult day for them because it's coming off the busiest holiday weekend of the year for them. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing our COs are going to be out there in, oh, yeah. in numbers and putting in long days. So, mm-hmm. um, But as far as deer season, like I said, going in blind this year, I kind of feel like I'm 12 again. Because that's, I mean, that's how I hunted, like, you know, my first couple of seasons. And it's a little bit exciting not knowing what's out there. My neighbor has been sending me trail cam pics, so I have, you know, an idea. It's the same guy that killed that big deer I was after last year. So uh, I know we share deer. We always share deer. But so I've got an idea what could be out there, but I'm just, it's kind of exciting thinking about going in there and not really looking for anything in particular, you know? So I don't suggest doing it that way. If you can run cameras, go for it. But Mm -hmm. this might be the first year that I uh, can kill a deer that's actually Pope and Young eligible or Boone and Crockett eligible. Do you know that you're not allowed to submit an entry if uh, trail cameras were used? No, I did not know that. Yeah. Jot that down. I'm going to write that. I'm going to put that yeah. in. A... I think a lot of people don't realize that. You're not supposed to use any electronics on the bow or arrow, which includes lighted knocks. So if you use a Luminock or a Nocturnal Knock or something like that, 
your it's open young correct um i know that's the truth for brennan crockett okay that's yeah um but i i mean uh, yeah for pope and young i know the light of knox because that's the archery and boone and crockett's the firearm so it wouldn't make sense to outlaw light of knox for a boone and crockett entry that mm -hmm. has to be pope and young but yeah yes. they do not allow the light of knox any electronics yeah any electronics of any kind including light of knox or trail cam yeah and that also includes you, you ever see the uh bow sights that have a little like a um, black light on them to, yes. to help light your pans. That includes yeah. those two. Okay. So a battery powered, um, pretty much anything with a battery in it. Yeah, while you're jotting that down. Yes, that's. I'll put that in a woods and water quiz for the magazine. Yeah. Double check to make sure the trail camera on Pope and Young, but I know the trail camera on Boone and Crockett. I did not know that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. How many deer do you think are actually harvested in today's you know, era of hunting without a trail camera? 10%, 20%? I, I would say almost less. Yeah. I mean, especially archery hunters. Mm -hmm. There's the gun hunters. They're, gun hunters are a little bit more casual or can be, like not all gun hunters. Some of them are as diehard as anybody. But I'd say there's a higher percentage of casual gun hunters than there are archery hunters just because of the work that goes into mm -hmm. it. You know, it's a lot easier to not put a lot in on the front end and go out in gun season and be successful than, than archery season. But that's exactly what I'm doing this year. But I still feel confident having not ran trail cameras because I've been hunting that farm since 2008. So this will be my 12th season out there. And over the past 11 years, you know, I've kind of learned this is where those deer like to like to cross a creek. This is where those deer like to bed up, you know. So I feel like I'm, I still feel confident being able to go in there and get on deer. What it's going to be, I have no idea. And I'm, I mean, if something 140s walks out in that opening day, there's no way I'm holding back. Mm -hmm. You know, my whole expectation <laughs> for what I'm willing to to sling an arrow at kind of kind of changes a little bit mm -hmm. um yeah i've noticed corn looks fabulous in the last month it's really taken off we have we've had a have you a, seen anybody cutting silage I, swear, I saw somebody already cut a field the other day i haven't i'd need to pay more attention um you know we pretty much had the perfect amount of rain and sun this year mm -hmm. right yes. it seems like we haven't really experienced a big drought at any point and you know dove seasons you know Coming right up. around the corner. It's right one after this weekend. One week from yesterday. From yesterday, yep. So dove season comes in on the first at what time? Eleven a.m. Yes. And I've been seeing a lot of doves. Yeah. Just incidentally, Sanctuary. the other day when I was waiting on. No, when I was waiting on uh, Jameson yeah. and uh, Chad, there was a little looked like a kind of a, an area where where people had. had uh, turned in grain. It's like you could see a conveyor belt going in. Mm -hmm. There, were, I mean, on that power line, I counted twenty-five doves. Well, just that day when just flying over me everywhere. That day when I was down there, we were following each other in the trucks mm -hmm. uh, down those back roads, and yes. there, everybody has gravel driveways, mm -hmm. and there were doves everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. Out, out there getting grit. Yeah. Um, and Sangster, right here in the other room, one of our video producers, he drove out to a public field. Um, he, he didn't go to the field. He just drove past it. He said he counted 85 um, doves on power lines yesterday afternoon. Mm. So that's a good sign for public yes, no fields. Doubt. I hope this hurricane doesn't like hit. And, but that one year, you know, we didn't go. It was like, I think that was Hurricane Harvey. Yeah, it was. And, and I was like, man, it's going to pour. We're going to be in a hurricane. Ah. And everybody who braved it slaughtered them. Yeah. Did you, did you hunt that day? I don't think I hunted that day. No, I remember that day. I, I hunted, you know. I, I'm a casual dove hunter. Mm -hmm. It's not like I eat, breathe, and sleep it yeah. like some people do. Some people dove season. A, a good number of people dove season is kind of their day. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's the opening day. Is mm -hmm. and I will admit that 
doves, the first day of dove season is kind of the kickoff to hunting season is here, mm-hmm. you know, because all of fall, all of winter is hunting season in my opinion. And uh, dove season's kind of like that inaugural, it's here, you know, mm-hmm. you can finally get out in the field with a with a gun in your hand and, and hope to put some meat on the table type no day, so. Yep. No doubt. Well, what do but you got? It looks promising yeah. if things hold. I just hope this hurricane doesn't like push doves somewhere else. But I don't know how that'll work. Hell, Harvey was here and there was doves everywhere. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm not too worried about the rain. I mean, as long as, yeah, I'm not, I feel like dove hunting. I mean, I, like I said, I'm casual. Maybe I'm different about it than most people. Mm-hmm. If I go out and I get five doves, you know, that's that's good enough for me. Yeah. I don't necessarily need to, to kill limits. I can, sometimes I can get by on a whole season with one box of shells not one box but one brick yeah so 100 shells and for if you're looking for limits i mean 100 shells might not last you an afternoon <laughs> you know yeah i've went through been like oh, i brought three boxes and i'm on my last box yeah and you you've know. got two doves sitting next to you <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're humbling good yeah. time especially we, if it's windy we did talk about on the last podcast with wes that early season doves uh, are a little bit easier to hit mm-hmm. so maybe i would i would like to know I know that that isn't something that gets tracked, but I would like to see the average number of shots per dove early in the season versus late. Mm-hmm. See if people get better at shooting or see if the doves get more I, th- weary. I think it would go the other way. I you, think you would have better success ratio early because I've, I've done a lot of late later hunting and uh, it's a lot of pass shooting. Yeah. They're smart. They're f- they're really fast. Well, you know, you think about that, but I also think that the people hunting late are probably the more better shots. Yeah, yeah, probably. So I, I would, uh, you'd have to almost look at it for one shooter, mm-hmm. you know, like or take ten shooters and cons- see how many shots it takes them. But uh, we're just getting in the weeds now. But there was a there was a place in in Richmond on a farm. Well, you know, a farm that you and I both have hunted. I yeah. believe. Yeah. I've had permission there for a long time, and there was always these big hay bales right by. There was water, gravel a tobacco base mm-hmm. and a uh, line of trees mm-hmm. and you could sit behind there's like three hay bales you could just sit behind and pass shoot them yeah. like in you know in early october and sit out there and you get seven or eight in an afternoon of shooting and the evening of shooting it yeah. was fun just shooting I mean, guns as now fun, i would so. put um you know modified or sometimes full yeah and uh you know lead them lead them a sweep through and lead them a long ways yeah and once you got that first one down you're like okay i know what the lead is today and then you could yeah. start once you kind of figure it out. Yeah. What do you got written down, Lee? I want to hit on some of your points. Well, um, uh, well, that, uh, oh, if you're going to stream fish on any of these tailwaters like Green River or, or Barron, uh, I was looking up today, um, the drawdown, at least this was predicted for last year. I doubt it'll be much different. Uh, Green River, they start drawing, they draw down six inches starting September 18th to November 15th, and then they draw it down six and a half feet from November 18th through December 15th. Mm-hmm. And uh, that seems to be pretty consistent with uh, with those. So, you know, you, if, if you're planning a trip and you get into late September, really check the uh, check beforehand. Lake because level. they could be just dropping the bottom out of it to get yeah. it down. But six inches doesn't seem like much to me, but. No, and the, um, that same website we were talking about earlier, Louisville Lake Info, yes. it, uh, it gives you the current lake level yeah. up above it. It says what the pool is, what the lake level is gonna be. And so, if you go to that one page, if you go under, I think it's lake information, it'll give you the three-day forecast. But then there's also uh, like a daily bulletin in the upper right. You click on that, it'll show you the inflow into green. Like the other day, it was like 71 CFS, and they were releasing yeah. 54 CFS. Okay. Um, so you can check. If it's really high, you know they're probably going to drop the bottom out of yeah, it. Yeah, that makes sense. And you, you, there's all kinds of information on there that's, that's good. So if you're going to plan, 
you just don't want to have what we had the other day. Yeah. <laughs> At 8 o'clock, they updated it, and then it went to 2,000. Yeah. You looked it up on your phone. You know, I'm thinking the people... I was talking about not hanging a trail camera, and we still got, you know, almost two weeks till season. People are probably wondering why I, I don't just do it right now, right? Because I've mentioned that I have a cell camera that I would hang, and it would just send the pictures to me. But I don't want to go in there and booger it up. That's why I'm, yeah. That's how it's been for the past couple of weeks. Well, like, it, Would scent be the main issue? Yeah. Think? Well, I mean, you could walk up on a buck and bump him. Or, I mean, if you if you walk in there and you leave scent around, then he could come through a couple hours later and that go, night. Mm -mm, I'm not yeah. coming back here again. Yeah. So I'm... After last year, I feel like I pressured that buck out of my area. Um, you know, I just went in there too much and too often. And so I really want to play it smart this year. And so, like, I have an idea in my head where I want to be on that opening day, where I want to hang that camera at, but it's all going to come down to wind. Yeah. And, and can I get there? So I need to, you know, honestly, the 10-day forecast might be out. I might be able to see what the 10 days showing. I don't trust the 10-day. Usually yeah. I wait till we're three or four days. Yeah, because, before. yeah, that I mean, that 10-day, it's a... Stab yeah. in the dark. But I would, you know, depending on how you hunt, I got buddies that, you know, put corn out and, and run cameras consistently, and they'll probably be out there in person the day before season, you know, and, and it won't affect them at all. It's almost like their truck pulling up is a, a dinner bell for the deer. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think the deer are just so used to them that it won't affect them. But with me, where I'm not giving the deer any incentive to come come in when mm -hmm. I'm there you know it's mm -hmm. not like they're saying oh I smell that guy and uh, there must be corn out over yeah. there now you know it's not going to help me at all to go in there and uh, I just think that at this point and I've thought this for the past few weeks that I'm just going to lay low and and see what happens first time I go in it's going to be with a bow in my hand and a tag in my pocket mm -hmm. so maybe I can make something happen yeah I, you know what I just thought of this Lee I need to start making a little room in the freezer yeah so uh, maybe uh, deer might be on, grilling out tonight. Yeah. Well, <laughs> how do you how do you thaw your meat? Because all my stuff's frozen. So I don't want to thaw it in water, you know. Because I mean, Tim Farmer when he was here, he he suggested not not putting the meat in water to thaw it because mm -hmm. he says you know you're technically you're you're starting to cook it. Yes. So I, I never do that. Yeah. Um, it depends. If you want to eat it that night, then yeah. I'll put it out for a couple hours. Yeah. And, I'll, and it won't be all the way thawed, but then I'll put it in the refrigerator for the rest of the afternoon. And usually yeah. by the time it comes around, it's it's ready to go. Yeah. I'm, what I might do tonight is uh, take some of that frozen I never use the thaw thing on the microwave. No, no. Some people do that. I'm like, what do you do? I put all that work into going and getting that meat. I'm yeah, not going to ruin, ruin it. it. Yeah, but people yeah. do that. I'm like, hmm. Or, or put it in hot water or any of that. I just let yeah. the air temperature. So I'll probably, uh, tonight when I get home, I'll probably set some meat out and then put it in the refrigerator and maybe tomorrow night. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I need to start making room in the freezer. Kristen's going to be thrilled to death when she sees the freezer getting empty. And then all of a sudden, one day in September, she's <laughs> it's all going to change. They're going to go buy another deep freeze. One thing I was thinking of earlier when I was writing my notes down is if you don't have your shells yet for dove season, it might be a good idea to go ahead and get some. Yeah, because that might be hard to find. I mean, you know, it's, it, what we've seen with fishing lures and what yeah. we've seen with kayaks and kayak paddles. I mean, I went to Warner Kayak pa uh, Paddles website today. Out of stock, out of stock, out of stock, out of stock. Yeah. They're taking orders for next year already. Really? Um, that's how far behind they are. They've had a materials problem, too, because of COVID. So, you know... Um, you don't want to wait till the night before. If you're yeah. if you're at a place you can get some shells, I go ahead and snap some up. Well, the Sangster, you know, we talked about him earlier. He uh, he bought a new 223 a few weeks ago, and he actually had to order ammo online and get it shipped to his door. You know, he because he couldn't ever, find it, couldn't find it in stores. So he got it shipped directly to him, and that's you know an option at this point for dove season. You could still get ammo shipped to you right now. Mm -hmm. You know, two or three day shipping, it'd be here in time. Yeah. 
So if somebody does need shells and does go to Walmart or Cabela's or Bass Pro or Sportsman's or wherever they're going to get them and can't find them, you know, shotgun shells are easier to come by than 223 ammo. No doubt. And 9mm ammo, trust me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you might want to go ahead and think or about it. Or 38s. I mean, I've, I've got a 357 Magnum. Pretty Come much on. ammo in general. Yeah. You know, I remember when I worked I, at Sportsman's. I haven't been able to find anything lately. Yeah. When I worked at Sportsman's, I mean, 22 ammo was the thing at that point. I mean, every morning we'd have a line outside the door before we opened to people looking for 22 ammo. We ended up just taking a big whiteboard and, and putting it behind customer service and putting our shipment dates you know, this is when we will get more 22 ammo. Well, there's people that had apps that would track when the UPS truck or the delivery truck would show up. Yeah. And they would know when to go to the store to get the, to, to, and yeah. then they buy all of it. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I don't shoot that much. Yeah. So I just need a, I like to be comfortable with stuff and shoot every now and then. Honestly, you know, I'm thinking about swinging by and shooting a few rounds today out of uh, my pistol just for the heck of it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'll just go out to the farm and, set up a target and do it there. My uncle actually built a shooting range. It's pretty sweet at his My house. My brother's had a, one. He built a pond, yeah. and hopefully the hurricane will fill it. He built a pond that's been yeah. drought. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's got like a little bitty bit of water in it. Well, But he's excited. He's ready for it to fill up. Hopefully there's no fish in there. Yeah, he hasn't put it yet. He yeah. did not. He was like, when should I put in the uh, uh, stocking? I was like, well, make sure it has water yeah. first, and it holds water. Yeah, you know? I, uh, I've been wanting to fish the falls again lately. But, you know, they actually, I've never fished it at the what they're doing right now. They've got the upper completely shut off. So the area that I typically fish should be bone dry about mm-hmm. right now. I mean, there might be some puddles of water up Well, you'll there. get those little braided channels through there. Yeah, that's, I think that's, you know, the sauger fishing can be really good. That's why that's when I went for sauger. I've done really well. Yeah. It's like fishing a little, you know, small elkhorn, like south elkhorn. The, uh, since the upper shut off, I think the lower could be really hot, though. Because it should make all those fish congregate near the mm-hmm. prime water. And now instead of there being two spots. Where would you fish if it's? Fish the lower? Mm-hmm. Well, since I don't have a boat, I'd paddle paddle across there and get off on the bank. Okay. And bomb cast. But I will say that's a, a dangerous area. Yeah, it is. And I would not suggest it to somebody who isn't. I would go with somebody. Because of the cross currents? or The cross currents, one thing. And that lower just puts out so much water. And to access it, you pretty much are going head on into the water. You need to be aware of that and go upstream, up and around, or go downstream, you know, down and around. You don't want to go straight into that. Um, and then on the paddle back across, you just basically, you need to be looking for slack water and figure out how you can use slack water to get where you're going. Because mm-hmm. I would not want to be in front of there, in front of those gates on a kayak or a boat for that matter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with all the water coming through there, like the other day I checked it, it was this past Sunday. I checked it and they were running four feet on the lower, which is not too bad. So I texted a guy and I was like, hey, thinking about hitting the lower, you want to go? And about that time, here comes the clouds and a bunch of rain. Checked it again uh, just an hour or two later, it was pushing seven feet. And there's a big difference in four feet and seven feet. Doesn't mm-hmm. sound like a whole lot, but trust me. Mm-hmm. And at seven feet, if you were out there on those rocks fishing from the bank in a kayak, you have to get in your kayak to get back across because shipping Port Island's closed right now. The, yes. the Army Corps has it all closed. So you can't access it from anything other than a boat or a kayak. If you were out there and they sounded that alarm and it jumped from four to seven, you might find yourself in a pickle. Yeah. yeah. It's just like when your people do that at Cumberland Tailwater all the time. They'll wait across. Yeah. And they'll get out there. They'll sound the horn. They don't get back quick enough. And then they're stranded on the other side yeah. of the river. I, uh, and it may be a long time before they can get back. I am wanting to fish Cumberland <clears throat> Tailwaters. Kristen the other day was like, where's Wolf Creek at? 
Wolf Creek Dam? Yeah. And I said, well, that's Cumberland. And she said, she's, she's like, why don't we ever fish there? And I said, let's go right now. Are you ready? Well, I, I was just talking to our, our, our old boss, Tim Sloan, yeah. right before lunch. And um, I talked to our old colleague, Tim Farmer, the other day. Mm -hmm. And uh, he asked me, how do you read these uh, um, websites for release schedule for mm -hmm. Wolf Creek Dam? So he and I were on the computer and on the phone. We went back and forth. And Tim said that Farmer's been doing fantastic. Yeah. And he's down on, I think, the Holston right now, trout fishing. Okay. <laughs> he's been yeah, going crazy. I've seen some of Tim's pictures on uh, Facebook there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw one the other day. Yeah. I'm going to go hit it soon. You got anything else, Lee? This will be well, a little bit shorter podcast, but I want right. to hit on everything. Um, the Ned Rig has been hot, and in September, if you're going to fish a stream, that's when the topwater bite peaks. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, the Ned Rig has been hot, and I say that reluctantly. Yeah. I mean, that's what I threw the entire float last time I hit green. If I wasn't casting a musky rod, I was throwing a Ned Rig. I just hate that bait so much. You know, I mean, it's effective, so I'm going to throw it, but yeah. I just hate that bait. People might not know what it is. It looks like a. It looks like nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it has the action of nothing. It's basically like you're putting a. Uh, the top of a half egg. of a Swisher, Swisher yeah. sweet cigar. That's what it looks like, you know. And I mean, even just working it through the water, you know, you, you have these crawfish imitators that have mm. pinchers and mm. skirts, and they have all kinds of action. They look real good. This I'm, does nothing. Yeah, it literally looks like you're just pulling a, a, pulling a little nothing through the water. Why they eat it, I don't know. Well, you know, the slider worm was like that too. I mean, he said it falls through the water like a stick. Yeah. And it, it's very effective, but the action is very subtle. But it has a lot more action than the Ned Rig. I mean, I, the only thing about the Ned Rig that I can think of that would even make it appealing to a fish is how soft it is. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it's a real elastic bait. Like, mm -hmm. uh, it, just when you when you touch it, you'll notice it. And some people stretch them yeah. I before mean, they put them on. It, it's a real soft bait. I can see how if a fish nibbled on it or picked it up, they would hold on to it longer, be more, you know, because it has a good texture to it. But it has no action, no, and it's not that fun to and fish. I think, I think that's yeah, and, and I've thrown it so much. I'm like, God, I don't want to throw something else. But then you're fishing with somebody, you're throwing it. Oh, got one, got one, got one. You haven't had yeah. bite in an hour. You're yeah. like, hmm. Yeah. I think I have to go back to the old Ned Rig. Yeah. But I think uh, that action is so subtle. I think that's what sets it apart. Yeah. Because it doesn't give any negative clues. I don't like it. But I'll fish it because I like catching fish more than not catching fish. Yes, no so, doubt. So I'll, I'll fish it because of that. But I get tired of it too. I'm like, God, I've been throwing this and throwing this and throwing yeah. this. But it, you know, it works. And the thing is with it, you get so many bites. And it's not, you don't always get, you know how sometimes you're fishing an artificial bait on the bottom and you'll feel that peck, 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 mm -hmm. peck. And you're like, oh, it's probably a, probably a sunfish. A yeah, probably sunfish down there. That happens every cast with the Ned Rig. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of fun feeling bite after bite after bite. And the, the the trouble is knowing which bite to set the hook you on. Got a nice long ear sunfish I saw on Facebook. Oh yeah, that was in Heron County actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, we were wade fishing. Uh, that was on a Ned Rig, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, everything will bite a Ned Rig, uh, except for uh, red horse and carp suckers, because mm -hmm. I tried. You know, <laughs> but uh, everything. I saw a lot of red horse on the float the other day. Yeah, and we're talking about Green River float mm -hmm. and red horse. For people people might not know it, they look like they're like a little sucker fish but they got a red tail on them yep red tail and red, red fins mm -hmm. and that is supposedly the number one food source of musky yes um that's what musky prefer to feed on that's why a lot of musky imitators look like mm -hmm. red horse and and, and um, suckers too don't they, they like to eat suckers yeah. i need to find a way to 
catch those fish. I mean, I know that people don't really like to target red horse or suckers, but I think it'd be fun to figure out how to catch them, you know? Mm -hmm. They gotta eat Put something. Put them on a quick strike rig and... Yeah, I, mean, I like to catch one and hook them up, yeah. <laughs> you know? If I, I drifted through one of those big deep holes by some wood? Oh, yeah, I, I think, think that. You might, that might work. I mean, I could probably do it with a cast net, probably net them somehow, but yeah, there's so many red horse, and you even see red horse and elkhorn in places like that. Yeah, I saw some the other day. Yeah, I need to figure out how to do that. We I, got poured on for two hours by that, and I was, first time this year, my teeth were chattering when I got home. Really? Because I, I had wet clothes on for five hours. Yeah. I didn't bring any rain gear. I was like, oh, we won't need that. Yeah. And even if it does, it's so hot, I won't care. When but I, I did care. When I floated that 14-mile section on the green the other day, I, the feet were soaking wet the whole time, and I didn't take a change of shoes. So then the hour and a half drive home and the 30 minutes of loading kayak, I think I ended up about 14 hours in soaking wet feet. And when I took those bad boys off, it felt so good. Yes, and prune feet. Makes yes. my feet look like prunes. You got anything else, Lee? I'm good. I just hope everybody can get out and enjoy things in the next couple of weeks. It's the best time of year is coming. Will you see that fly in your notebook? Yep. If you can kill that thing right now, I'll give you 10 bucks. Oh. I know. Oh well, I I he's been it. he's been in here just buzzing around my head, laying it on my hair all day. I mean, I want nothing. I more. wish I had a rolled up newspaper. I'd have had a better chance. I wouldn't have given you ten bucks if you had a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> now, I would have uh, had to have reduced. Well, you do like Karate Kid and try to get him with chopsticks. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not that fast. All right, Lee, I appreciate you coming in. Oh, good time as always. All right.